Hello, and welcome back to the Pathology Grand Tour. I'm Michael Schubert, and today our tour bus stops at Pathologist's Assistance. We're joined by Michael DeSimone, who is a PA at Northwell Health and at Yale University School of Medicine, and by Dennis Strenk, a PA at Wisconsin Diagnostic Laboratories and host of the People of Pathology podcast. You can find Michael on Twitter at DiseaseHunter and Dennis at DStrengthPA. They're both here today to share a day in their lives with us, tell us about their journey into the lab, and take a look at what lies ahead for pathologist assistance. Thank you both so much for joining me today um, for this episode of the Pathology Grand Tour. Can we start with just uh, an overview of who you are and what role you play in the lab? Sure. Uh, so my name is Michael Desimone. Uh, I work as a pathologist assistant um, at Northwell Health in Long Island, and uh, I mainly work in surgical pathology, uh, where we focus on the dissection and macroscopic examination of the surgical specimens. Um, but we're also responsible for other aspects of the lab, such as renal adequacy and uh, uh, frozen sections, as well as occasional autopsies and biobanking. Okay, and I, I'm Dennis Strank. I'm uh, also a pathologist assistant. I work at Wisconsin Diagnostic Laboratories in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, where I've been I've been there for about three and a half years now. And uh, my kind of day to day is a little bit different than Michael's. We just we are we're entirely grossing the whole day, uh, and there's some resident educa- education as well. They they do some grossing as well, so we help them out. But the residents do all of the frozen sections and all, all of the kind of outside other things. So it's just it's just grossing for me. Excellent. So what led you to choose the PA route to the lab then? I guess I could start. Uh, so I recently joined. I graduated um, a year and change ago from Quinnipiac University. But before that, um, I worked in a bunch of different hospital jobs, and I actually found out about this career uh, when I was working in the emergency department of all places. Um, I I worked as a technician, and I uh, we had a patient come in that had a really bad leg, and uh, I was just incredibly curious what happens after the amputation, and my attending that I was working with told me about pathology and told me about PAs, which she somehow knew about, and... Uh, they let me go down to the lab and watch them gross it the next day. And that's kind of how I learned about the field. And I ended up changing jobs. I moved down to the lab and started working in accessioning. And the rest is kind of history where I fell in love with the career and wanted to do it. Yeah. Uh, I've got kind of a similar situation, how I started. I, you know, I got out of college uh, with a degree in biology and I couldn't get a job with a bachelor's, with a bachelor's degree. And then I ended up as a lab assistant in a histology department, which I didn't know anything about, but, um, you know, just, just watching there and observing, I eventually trained to be a histotech. And then the PA that was there at the time, she taught me to, you know, gross biopsies and smaller things like that. So I was basically a grossing tech. And back at that time, you could train on the job to be a PA as well. Um, so, so that's what I did. And, yeah, it was the same kind of thing. Once I saw it and I got uh, in the department and saw what was going on, yeah, I fell in love with it and never looked back. Did you want to talk a little bit more about the training that PAs undergo? I don't know if now might be a good time to dispel the notion because I've, I still get people coming in and saying things like, oh, PA, that's a, that's a two-year associate's degree and things. And I know that that's changed 
quite a lot. Yeah, so since they got rid of the uh, the on-the-job job route in, as far as uh, going into the PA field, in the U.S. and Canada, you have to, you're have you required to have a master's degree um, in order to uh, practice as a and sit for the exam, the board exam for pathologist assistants. Um, and that basically, and for pretty much all the programs, they all have the similar requirements in order to get into these master's programs. Um, you have to uh, usually have an undergraduate degree, um, which is usually a bachelor's degree in biology or some related field with a certain amount of credits in uh, chemistries, uh, mathematics, and uh, obviously your core sciences. Um, and that's pretty much the base required for everyone. Um, a lot of them also require like some sort of standardized testing, such as the graduate record examination, the GRE, or MCAT, even for some schools, they will accept it. Um, but that's kind of the basic to get into the PA school. Um, and then PA school itself is a two-year master's degree program. It pretty much the same as physician assistant. It is, my sister is going through that as well right now. She's in PA school for, to be a physician assistant. And so uh, she's going to surgery, by the way. So that's going to be good. <laughs> but uh, she, uh, you basically do one year in the classroom, and then the second year is in the institution. Some schools do a little bit differently, but pretty much they're all on the same, uh, the same boat because they have the requirements from uh, CLIA and they have requirements from the, uh, from the ASCP that they need to follow. Excellent. Thanks for clearing that up. So PAs can no longer train on the job? That's true. That ended in, I want to say, 2000, uh, 2005, 2006, something like that. Okay, excellent. So tell me about your work as a PA. What's important to you? What values do you hold in that work? So I guess for me as a new graduate, uh, I mean, relatively speaking, uh, of the last couple of years, uh, I really value uh, learning from each specimen, and I really uh, try to learn something from each specimen uh, that comes through the lab and trying to uh, absorb as much information as possible as I can uh, while I'm new and then uh, teach others that information. And I, I hope that uh, sort of becoming a lifelong learner uh, and being able to uh, disseminate that information uh, will make my job more rewarding um, as well as uh, – being able to uh, learn myself. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Trying to always learn something. I think it's also important you, because we're disconnected from the patient, you know, you just get a container with the tissue in it and some patient information, but you have to remember that there's a person attached to that specimen, to every specimen. And that's easy to forget. And that I, I feel like that's probably one of the most important things also. Yeah, I think every every case that you gross, I wrote I wrote this down as just something that I hold dear, and I forgot to mention it. But I mean, every patient, every case, even if it's benign, you have to search thoroughly for any sort of underlying malignancy. And so we want we are really going to be the eyes for the pathologist, and we might be the only time this patient specimen is seen by someone. So we need to do a thorough job in examining it. Yep, totally agree. Excellent. I I was going to say, um, you know. What's your favorite part about your job? What motivates you to get out of the lab and go to work? I think that's a pretty good start. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're, we're helping patients. We're helping, you know, every, every specimen, every case is a patient that we're helping every day. That's definitely a good motivator. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, each case, you're able to sort of access the history. And usually most of the stuff we receive in the lab when it's for uh, some sort of cancer or something, it's a large disease process, we're able to take something that 
is no longer a part of a patient and use it uh, to teach others. So like if you have a PA students like we do in the lab or if you have residents in the lab, you're able to sort of collaborate with them and sort of say, hey, this is a concept that was once in a book. And this concept here, which you see pictures of in your lectures, this is a real patient and this is a real experience for someone else. And they lost this organ or they lost this, um, this specimen because of it. And now we need to stage it and appropriately treat them um, given what the current stage is. So it's clear why the PA role is so important. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what you like about it. What's your favorite part of the job? I mean, for, for me, it's, you know, I see interesting things every single day. It's, it's never boring. Um, and of course, you know, the most interesting, interesting cases are the ones that are the worst f for the patients. But, you know, and, and like Michael just said, you can use these experiences to help teach other people, to teach the residents, um, you know, and, and others. And that, that's very important to kind of pass that along. Yeah, I think for me, uh, my favorite part is collaborating with the other medical professionals. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, we have cytogenetics and flow cytometry, and uh, we kind of bring our part of the story to the patient, uh, to the patient's picture. And I like working with other departments and learning from them uh, on their procedures and learning how they're doing patient care as well, uh, while teaching them about what we do and being able to show them our side of it. The learning angle of these things is so important both for you guys to learn and for everyone to learn from you. So, Dennis, you also started a pathology podcast, People of Pathology. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So this was, um, this started from a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who's also a PA, and we were talking about podcasts that we like and how we kind of like the interview style podcast. And we noticed that there weren't any for people in pathology or in lab at least we we thought there weren't there there actually were some that we didn't know about she said well you should you should start a podcast and i'm writing a book you can interview me about my book so i thought okay whatever um started researching it and found out that it wasn't that hard to do there wasn't you didn't need that much equipment uh you know some software a place to you know like a hosting uh platform but that was really it so I figured those things out, got some like basic equipment and we, we recorded uh, the interview with her about her book and that became the first episode. And it just, it just went from there. Like I started reaching out to people on Twitter and LinkedIn and other places. And I was very surprised that nearly everyone that I asked, you know, would you like to be interviewed for this podcast that you that you've never heard of? They're all, they all said, yeah, this, that'd be great. Let's do it. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. Clearly, there's an appetite for that kind of thing. It, it sure seems like it, yeah. So, Michael, you mentioned that you just recently graduated. What are your goals for the next, say, five, ten years? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, first and foremost, I'm trying to be better myself and, and grow as a PA as I experience different types of specimens and different, uh, different cases. Um, so I'm, I'm growing myself um, in the short term. Um, kind of in the long term, I'm not particularly dead set on any sort of one aspect of the career. But I mean, I really like being in Northwell, mainly because uh, a lot of the PAs are in different subspecializations, uh, where we have some PAs that are doing purely administrative and quality assurance. And we have some PAs that are in charge of the biobanking service, where they go into the ORs and do collections. Um, and so there's a lot of different routes that I could look into. 
But for now, I mean, I'm mainly focused on absorbing and just learning as much as I can uh, from the senior PAs at our hospital and healthcare system um, as I go. I mean, I really like the education part of it, like I was saying. Um, I mean, I could, I mean, I'm looking forward to, to sort of growing into some additional role um, with teaching. Sort of one idea I had was uh, sort of reaching out to the local uh, local uh, colleges because I think that our field has a uh, has a really good opportunity to teach um, other people outside of pathology about disease mechanisms. So nurses, uh, physician assistants, um, sonographers, and I really think that would be a good way to get out what we do and help them understand what happens in the laboratory as well as teach them about disease mechanisms. So that's kind of my long term goal is to expand. Um, the profession and get other people to know about it while teaching. That sounds great. Yeah. Those are great ideas. I, there, I feel like, you know, our profession in the, probably the near future is going to expand like that. There are other areas, like you mentioned the, the biobanking, the teaching, uh, you know, even forensics, there's all these areas that we can expand into. Um, and, and I think they're all great. They're very exciting. So for both of you then, What's been the proudest moment of your career so far? I guess I could start first just because I've had a shorter <laughs> career, obviously. Um, I mean, I guess the first thing that I think of is just changing patients' lives and finding uh, like positive lymph nodes. Those moments when you come back and you realize that one thing you did changed the patient's outcome and meant they got a chemotherapy treatment they wouldn't have otherwise got is incredibly um, grateful. I can't specifically think of one moment but i think there's a lot of moments where you find something that was incidental that then changed the patient's life um that really just sticks out to me um because that does happen we do find cancer in non-cancer specimens we do find uh things that change the outcome of a patient um for better or worse uh you know i, I was thinking about this one up quite a bit and i at different i don't know sort of stages or phases of my career so far there have been different things that i've been really proud of you know, starting off like I did being on the job trained, it was, it was hard to do that because I didn't have much direction. So just finishing that and passing the exam, I think was a very proud moment for me. And certain things that some certain pathologists over the years have said to me, you know, about my work or my skills or whatever, you know, those are things that I keep with me. I think probably most recently, and I know this is for the pathologist, so I've got to mention it, the, the, just being named to the power list. Um, and not just the fact that I'm there, but just looking at this list of people with their pictures of all these, all these incredible, amazing people. And to be a part of that is very, uh, it's humbling. It's, you know, it's almost overwhelming. And I'm, I'm really proud that I'm able to be a part of that. And some of them I've actually had on the podcast, which is really kind of, <laughs> kind of cool too. Yeah, no, to be honest with you, Dennis, we're just proud that we get a chance to know all of these amazing pathology right. and lab personalities. Right. Yeah. It's just, just to know them and to be able to talk to them is just, it, it's, it's really fun. And it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that I was able to be a part of that. So it's, you know, it's obvious how many huge positives there are to lab work and to being a PA and to the difference you make in people's lives. Is there anything on the flip side of that coin? What frustrates you? about your work or about the field? I guess, uh, I mean, the, everyone knows that works in the laboratory that we're a lot of times an afterthought. So that's definitely something that uh, is, is something we deal with where uh, we may not be in the forefront of the hospital's mind and we have to adapt um, to the hospital policies or to changes um, in the healthcare system. 
Um, that was definitely forefront with COVID-19 where uh, we may not have known if there was a COVID specimen coming down and you have to change the policies so that the rest of the team can make us aware of specific COVID patients when they send the specimens down because we're on the back end and they don't know that we are going to be the ones dissecting that specimen and we need to be protected as well as the nursing staff that's involved with the live patient. Yeah, it's definitely that lack of recognition and just people not knowing, you know, and this is laboratory wide. People don't know who we are. And you're right about it. The pandemic being a large part of that. And it's just, I don't know how many times I've, you know, I've told people what, you know, I'm a pathologist assistant and they're like, what is that? And then you explain it and it's just, oh, right. You do autopsies. People that people don't understand that's, and that can be frustrating at times. And I was aware of that frustration, but I hadn't thought before about how it can actually be potentially dangerous until you'd mentioned about the uh, issue with COVID-19. How has the pandemic affected your work overall? I mean, so being from New York, I mean, I can speak on it briefly, but I also wasn't here during like the heat of it. I joined right after uh, the heat of the pandemic, but for the most part, we... uh, we didn't change as much because we still had emergency cases happening. And so we still were just going through the normal day-to-day operations with increased protocols for safety, such as wearing masks with fresh specimens uh, like N95s and full face gear um, and more uh, more PPE than we normally would. Uh, we also had to leave it in formalin for a longer amount of time. If it's a, if it's a COVID case, we leave it in formalin for extended 48 hours. Um, but Generally speaking, uh, what happened in the heat of the pandemic was for our hospital system, when there were no surgeries at all, we were kind of redistributed to the different areas of the lab. Uh, so for example, RPAs, there was only one on grossing every day, and then some of them would go into research or had the option to go into um, the clinical lab if they needed help on the COVID swabs. Um, and so we, we kind of redistributed ourselves during the heat of it uh, versus now it's back pretty much back to normal as far as what we do day to day. See, that's interesting because my experience was completely different. Uh, our caseload dropped dramatically, probably 80% uh, because it was just, you know, emergency surgeries only. And so we were, we had reduced hours and, and you know, some of the other uh, staff in the department were sort of re deployed i guess to microbiology basically but for for the pas it wasn't it really wasn't like that so we kind of split up the day and we were not allowed to be we weren't allowed to overlap hours at all so uh you know you know you had to have like a i don't know half hour 45 minute buffer between each pa and you just did whatever grossing was there um so it was very it was very strange because, you know, walking through the empty halls and just uh, having very little work to do, which was a huge change for us. I should specify also, Dennis, that, uh, I mean, the hospital I mainly work at is a huge ambulatory center uh, for the whole Northwell system. So we get almost all the ambulatory cases. I mean, 50% of our cases are ambulatory in general. And so a lot of them, it's a lot of like colon cancers that are found incidentally in the emergency department or found incidentally and they rush them to surgery. Um, and so that was kind of the reason why there wasn't, there definitely was a huge drop off where we wouldn't need like five to seven PAs every day. We only need like one or three, but yeah, I don't think it was as dramatic just at our hospital specifically because we have that huge ambulatory center. Other hospitals within the Northwell system, they had that huge drop off and they did the same thing you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So tell me, Michael, because you've quite recently joined the profession, what would you be doing if you hadn't become a pathologist assistant? Yeah, so I thought about this and I, I asked a couple friends and they all had the same answer and they were like, well, you're obviously going to be a chef because <laughs> that's, I mean, that is what I like to do in my side hobbies. Uh, I like to cook and the, the crossover between what I do on the day to day between cutting and uh, chopping <laughs> is pretty much the same. So, I mean, uh, that that's pretty much a no brainer for me, at least, because I, I did dabble a little bit during high school working in uh, the uh, the food service industry and I love food. I would love to work as a chef. Do you know, I hear that from a surprising number of people who work in pathology and lab medicine. Um, just out of curiosity, Dennis, do you have an answer for that question? Uh, I, you know, originally, I think I, I wanted to be like an artist. Um, and it's interesting, is especially, you know, talking to different people through the podcast, like there is a lot of creative, a lot of people in pathology and lab medicine have a creative side to them, whether it's, you know, cooking, like you said, Michael, or a lot of people are into art, they play musical instruments, uh, things like that. And I'm trying to explore how those things are kind of related. Yeah, I've heard that myself too. Uh, I mean, with the American Association of Pathologist Assistants, we have the photo contest and every year you yeah. see these amazing, beautiful photographs that are just, they are truly art. And I have it up in my gross bench and they really are art, the specimens that we do. And people take pride in the uh, the pictures that we take of the specimens. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. On The Pathologist, we have something similar. We run a gallery special feature every year. And although we get some beautiful photo micrographs and things, I'm always stunned by the amount of artistic breadth we see. Everything from paper quilling to collage to sculpture right there's definitely an inclination toward art in general and i would even say visual art in particular yeah i definitely agree so a question for both of you about sort of your training and early career did you have any particular mentors in the field or anyone you especially looked up to so i had there was a pathologist is, is uh dr phil harity is his name and he uh actually unfortunately passed away since then but he kind of took me under his wing uh early on and he was the guy who was like all right these are the things that you need to know and you know so we're going to go through them and he was particularly interested in autopsy so i learned a lot of that probably everything most everything i know about autopsies from him and uh he and and so he he was a uh mentor early on and there was you know there's so many pathologists that i've worked with and they've all been very supportive um so so, so there's a lot of that mentorship kind of thing but him in particular he eventually left and took a different job in a different state uh came back at some point and we you know went out and had dinner with him when he was in town and at that time i had finished my on the job training i had passed the exam and i said you know dr harity i you know i, I passed the exam I'm, I'm a real pa now and he, and he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, you always were. You just didn't have the credentials yet. That'll always stick with me. Wow. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, I mean, as a new graduate, I just kind of, the, the way our, uh, our education works is we spend a year in the classroom and then a year on rotations um, where we go out to different hospitals um, and we do our clinicals. Um, and I'm just really thankful for all the people that we we're exposed to in that year. Um, who took time to show me a micrograph of a specimen that I 
that I did or uh, to show me a new technique. Um, I was lucky enough to learn autopsies at Yale and uh, learn from Amanda Masters, who's a pathologist assistant there, and she's in charge of autopsy, um, as well as go to the Mayo Clinic, uh, where uh, I got the chance to learn from some great PAs there, like Heidi Cheek, who's on Twitter as well, um, and she's routinely named to the Path Power List. Um, but, I mean, those are just a couple people. There are so many people that just take the time to mentor and show new techniques to the PA students, and I kind of hope to sort of emulate uh, what they did with me and sort of pass it along to the PA students that we have come through and show them different techniques that they might see when they go on to a job somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's so valuable to have that kind of on-the-job camaraderie and willingness to interact and to guide. Okay, so one big question for you both. What's the I guess what's the main thing you would want others in the lab or others in general to know about pathologist assistance and the work that you guys do? I have to, uh, I, I have to admit, I said exactly what Dennis said earlier is that, uh, I mean, we care for living patients. Uh, we're not just doing autopsies because that's the biggest misconception that people have about our job when they look it up or they think they understand it is that we do autopsies all day and we only deal with uh, non-living patients. But in reality, uh, the work that we do is incredibly valuable. And the work that we do uh, is involving uh, living patients who need to have treatment um, as a result of the, the diagnosis that we, we give and the, the care that we give to their specimens through dissection. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I tell people that, you know, when you've got, uh, uh, when you've got cancer and you say, oh, you know, yeah, they told me the margins were clear. Somebody has to measure those margins. That's us. You know, yeah, a, a pathologist has to verify and, and, you know, measure it on microscopic. But, you know, somebody has to take that section. Somebody has to measure that. That's what we do. And when you've got a cancer case and they say, oh, I had, you know, positive lymph nodes, somebody has to find those lymph nodes. That's us. That's what, that's what we do. And that's, you know, that's how important our job is. That's what I would, that's what I would tell people. Absolutely. And I hope that we're able to help spread the word about who PAs are and what they do and your vital role in the lab. So thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. And thank you for spreading the word about our profession. Yeah, thank you. This has been, this has been great. Thanks a lot. It was especially good to have you both on at once. So I really appreciate managing to make the schedule work. <laughs>